Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, 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 guys. Welcome to another episode of Excellence Expector with me, your favourite Northern English person. I mean, you maybe don't know that many Northern English people, but I'm just going to say that I'm the favourite. It's me, Mark Asquith. This is Excellence Expected, as I said, and we are here to define, challenge and conquer a problem that plagues all of us small business owners. And today's issue, the issue that we are going to overcome today is how you can get out of a solo economic dependency and very specifically what that means for you, what that looks like and your journey past that into something ultimately much better for you. And joining me today is someone who is widely considered one of the US's most trusted and foremost authorities on buying and selling raw undeveloped land within the United States, someone who has been actively investing in real estate and raw land since 2001, and a fellow geek podcaster just like me. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show the land geek himself, Mr. Mark Podolsky. How are you, Mark? Mark, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That is a great, great, great first name that you have there, sir. Very commendable on having the same name as me. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's... I really appreciate this for my parents and, and the fact that we shared. I just, I'm, I'm standing a little taller than I might normally. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dying name, Mark. You know, you don't see any kids called Mark anymore, do you? I feel like it's a, a, a sort of 70s, 80s name, which I think is sort of, it's had its time. And I always wonder whether the names will come back around. You always see kids being called really old fashioned names now. And I can't wait for 30 years time when they start calling kids Mark again. We will have our time, sir. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I I really didn't even think about it, but I'm just gonna start calling random people Mark. I don't care what the names are. <laughs> I need you to video that. Maybe get it on Snapchat so everyone can see that because I want to see the reactions that people have. <laughs> yeah, I'll, you know I'll do a Periscope today. You, you gotta follow me on Periscope. I, I see you're a big <laughs> Periscope guy. I do love Periscope. Yeah, you know it's kind of weird. I was talking to David Bain from Digital Marketing Radio um, on Thursday about this, and just talking through, you know, the different channels, the different mediums, and how the heck you stay up to date with it. And he he really doesn't like Periscope, and it's starting to amaze me how, um, you know, this whole idea of needing to be everywhere is just becoming less and less true because people are really finding the channels that they love. So are you a are you you're a Periscope? But are you are you sort of digging into this Snapchat fad that's going around at the minute? You know what? My kids are doing it, so I'm doing it just to make sure they're not getting into trouble. But as far <laughs> as like doing Snapchat for business, I, you know, my the people that buy you know raw land from me aren't teenagers, so um, I haven't gotten into all that yet. Well, maybe you're not missing much on that. I sort of tried it, and I couldn't. Again, I was sort of thinking to myself, this doesn't feel like me, but um, yeah, maybe we'll give it another go. So, Mark, let's just bring some context then. So we're actually going to talk about how to get out of solo economic dependency. But before we do that, just give us the uh, give us the elevator pitch on you. So what have you been doing since you since you started your career? Yeah. So in 2001, I was a really kind of miserable, depressed investment banker. And Mark, I mean, I, I really did not like my job. Like I, I would get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend buying going by so fast and then Monday coming. So, you know, people get the Sunday blues. I would get the Friday blues. 
And I had a 45 minute commute to work and back and I would get micromanaged and I felt like I had no control. And so I met this guy at my firm that told me he was buying and selling raw land and he was making 300% return on investment doing it. And so, you know, of course I don't believe him because I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company has 15% EBIT margins or free cash flow, right? Um, your average company is a 10% and I'm looking at a lot of companies that are below 10% and this guy's telling me he's making 300%. And so I go to New Mexico with him in the States and we go to a tax deed auction and I've got like $3,000 saved up um, for car repairs and I buy 10 half acre parcels for like nothing, $300 on average. Sure enough, I put them online and uh, I sold them within the next three days for over $1,200 each, 300%. My, my buddy was right. So I went to another land auction and this time I made over $90,000 on the next auction. And I said to my wife, I think I'm ready to quit my job that I hate and, and start buying and selling raw land part-time. And she's like, absolutely not. So what I did was I uh, bought and sold raw land part-time on the side as a side hustle for 18 months. And once my income from the land investing business exceeded my income from my investment banking job, I quit. And I've been doing it ever since uh, 2001. I've done over 5,000 land flips. And uh, I, you know, I'm the host of the the best passive income model podcast because I think it's the best passive income model. And the reason I think it's so great is because, and we'll talk about social economic dependency, it's, it's a one-time sale. And when you do owner financing, which we'll talk about, you get recurring income on an asset that you don't have to maintain, you don't have to protect, right? You don't have to deal with any renters, you don't have to deal with rehabs, you don't have to deal with any renovations, and you don't have to deal with rodents because raw land is just raw land. It's not like a tenant in a house. And so, and our returns are over a thousand percent on over on owner financing and we have no competition because it's just not very sexy. So that's, uh, that's really what I've been doing, Mark. Does that answer the question? It does indeed, sir. It does indeed. And let's just, I guess, just take it back to, to where you were in 2000, pre-2001. We talk about this solo economic dependency. Were you in that state? And if so, what did that look like? What is that sort of demystified for people? So, solo economic, so solo economic dependency means if you're not working, if you're personally not working, Mark Asquith isn't working, right? You're not generating any income, right? So a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a chiropractor, professionals, right? If a dentist's hands aren't somebody's mouth, then he's not making any money or she's not making any money. Freelancers, uh, anybody with a job, right? If you stop going to your job, they'll stop paying you. So there's no passive component to it. They're dependent on their own labors. And until you change your mindset and figure out, well, how can I create a business or a investment strategy where I have money coming in without having to do anything, then you are, you are afflicted with what I call solo economic dependency. And it's great if you love your job or you love your, you love being a doctor or a lawyer, but at some point you will get tired. 
And um, you're going to want that passive income in your life. We hear so many people talk about passive income as well. And, we, you know, it, it takes so many shapes and forms and variations and so on. I mean, we see we do see so many people talking about this. And what do you think has caused this boom over the last maybe 10 years where, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like it's reserved for the, the people who, quote unquote, get it. It feels like anyone can just generate a passive income from somewhere. Why do you think that has, has boomed? Well, I think that the idea of freedom is really what it's all about. Because if you don't have passive income coming in, you're really not free. And human beings, that's, it's just, it's just not in our DNA. It's not in, um, you know, it used to be that, um, not that long ago, we were an agrarian society to work maybe two hours a day, right? Or, you know, as a hunter gatherer, Hunter-gatherers had the greatest life. Like they'd work two hours a day and then they would kind of play the rest of the time. That's really what we're built for. We're not built to work eight-hour, 12-hour days, right? And there's studies done on productivity. If you really watch a, a human being work, they're really, a, you know, getting real work done about two to four hours a day, even though they might be at a job eight hours. But, you know, if you look at their, the breaks they take and the lunch – and, you know, checking social media and then checking their email. Real, real work that's getting done, Mark, is, you know, about two hours a day. Yeah, I would agree completely. And I, I think it's one of those, it's one of those scenarios where employers in particular really, really struggle. I remember sort of myself being a, so I went from sort of leaving the corporate world, got really tired of that when I was sort of 23, 22, 23, and went into contracting. And, you know, I was there as a freelancer at that time. And, just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that, look, if there was nothing for me, they still wanted me on site. And, you know, that really, really baffled me. And I, I remember having the, the, the conversation so many times. Look, you know, I, I am actually only busy for four hours a day because I can get the work done in that time and it's done to a high standard. Why do I need to be here? And it was just this monkey see, monkey do kind of mentality where it was just everyone had to do that because it was so ingrained in the fabric of the corporate world that... You, it, God forbid that you would get away from that. And you know, I do think there's a bit of a challenge with that. And when we think about the passive income model, why do you think it's so attractive to people that are, I guess, struggling to get out of that full-time job? I mean, using your example, I mean, you worked, you, you had this side hustle, didn't you, where, where you, you were flipping the land. Why do you think it's so attractive to people that are in these jobs that they don't like? Is there something, is there a bit of a, a culture around that now, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a guy like um, Tim Ferriss sort of popularized it with the four-hour work week and being able to leverage your time with inexpensive virtual assistants overseas and technology. And, and honestly, Mark, I mean, today is the best time to be alive ever. It's the best time to be an entrepreneur ever because you can create a minimal viable product in about a day and for less than 50 bucks and test it and see if you got something there. Um, you know, it used to be if you wanted to do any kind of with manufacturing, you'd have to borrow millions of dollars. Well, today, for less than $1,000, you can start manufacturing prototypes with a 3D printer. So the, the tools of, the, of uh, you know, it used to be for the elite, right, are now everyone has them. It's for the masses. So the, the, the excuses of why you can't do it anymore are really gone. And 
it's just a matter of being creative and, and hustling and, and setting up that system. Yeah, I mean, that, that, the, the word hustles, you know, that's, that's thrown around quite a lot as well. What, what does that mean? If you were to say to someone, okay, listen, you've got to hustle. What would, what would taking that apart look like? What would the specifics of that be? Because I think that's a word that I think it's, it's kind of become the new entrepreneur. You know, the, the word entrepreneur has been thrown around so much that it kind of lost a bit of its meaning. So what does that specifically mean to people that are in a full-time job, the word hustle? Well, I think they need to start planning and setting goals and creating a, a strategy to get themselves free and creating what I would like call a side hustle. So some type of side business where they can generate extra income and do like what I did where then that side business be, could actually be their real business. And then once they start bringing in the passive income pieces of it, right, then I think what Mark, most people want in life are certainty and contribution. So certainty is having enough money coming in. And if you can do have enough money coming in where it exceeds your fixed expenses, and you don't have to do that work. That's total financial freedom. And then once you have that, you can go out in the world and contribute. You can volunteer. You can fund people's educations. You can do all types of things that you really want to do in life. And you've, you've freed up oceans of energy because you've solved that certainty part. Where most people, it's backwards. They're spending so much time and they're not getting enough sleep and they're feeling like they're not getting enough done. It's like scarcity mentality. And then they're saving up time for one day to contribute because they haven't figured out that certainty piece. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, I, you know, that, that, that idea of just working longer and longer comes into play there as well because as a society, very often we're taught to just, well, if you need more, you need to work more. You know, that's just the lay of the land, that's how it's always been done, you know, in the, in the traditional structured world of you get paid for your time, the longer you work, of course, the more you get paid. And I, I, I think that people are very much now starting to step away from that and actually say, well, look, what's the minimum I can do to return without sacrificing the quality of what I'm doing? And I think the manufacturing example was a fantastic example because when you think about things Traditionally, you you know you'd create something, then you'd find people to buy it. I think when you marry up this idea of of getting something to prototype really quickly, using something like a three D printer, but actually taking orders before that, so setting a very quick landing page up, getting a really simple MVP together, where you say, "This is what I will build if I achieve this amount of revenue from whatever, from a webinar, from a sales page, from a podcast, or you know, from whatever that might be." I think. There's something really powerful in chaining together all of these really simple tactics and saying, actually, now I can build it because people are willing to pay for it. I think there's something really powerful in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's been reversed. Now you can test the market, then deliver, as opposed to spending all this time and energy building something that maybe the market will reject. Yeah, it's, it is really, really powerful. And I think a lot of people forget that. Certainly... I think there's a bit of a cultural shift, personally. I think there are um, there are people that kind of get it, and I think they're the people that really immerse themselves in you know in, in in things like we immerse ourselves in podcasts and personal development and reading and you know moving in the circles of people that are, are doing this kind of thing. And then I think there are people that just don't necessarily know that that world exists. Do you do you find that when you're when you're talking to people? Do you find that there's still just so many people that don't know that this is even a possibility. 
Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's so funny because, you know, I just take it for granted because it's, it's my worldview. And, you know, I, I just am kind of arrogant about it. like, of course everybody thinks like me and everybody should want, you know, passive income and, and do those things and, and, you know, strive for freedom. But for a lot of people, it's just the way they, they grew up and they just saw, this is what my parents did and this is what I do and this is my life. And they don't really challenge it. They don't think uh, too hard about it in that sense. And, and, but there's, there's a certain um, feeling that they have that um, they're not living their highest purpose, right? Um, and in, at some point, hopefully that light switch turns on for them and you know, they do more. But you're right. I mean, it almost takes um, some type of external party, I think, to shake them out of it. Yeah, I think it does, and I think there's also a bit of a a bit of a challenge in belief as well. You know, I, I I mean, I come from a really little tiny mining town in the north of England, where it's almost if you're seen to want more than what your parents wanted, sometimes you you can feel as if you're really frowned upon. And what's that like in the states? Is that do you have that kind of cultural problem if I don't think problem's the right word for it but you know what I'm trying to get at there don't you yeah you know I don't think we have that necessarily I, I guess you know I say that I'll, I'll say the way I grew up I didn't have that um, but I was probably lucky I think there are segments of US society where in your culture they don't want you to get too big for your britches right and they feel threatened because obviously it threatens them if you go out and you start making an impact in the world, then they look at themselves like, well, oh, that doesn't feel good. What am I doing? Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that tends to permeate in in certain cultures where, um, you know, it's they have a, a, a lower um, lower economics. Right. So. Um, that's that's where it would be. I, I think you could see it in U.S. culture. Yeah, and yeah, I would I would agree. And that's probably the same in the U.K. I think uh, yeah, I think that is. I think it's quite naive of me to assume that that's a U.K. thing. I think it's probably a, a locality setup, really. So, okay, let's just think through sort of you know passive income. Obviously, you work in undeveloped land. Is that? Let's just talk a little bit about that because I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that. I don't know much about the market in the U.K. Sure. I know nothing about it in the US, so sort of broad strokes, high level. What what makes that such a good market? Okay, because it's inefficient. So I'll kind of explain to you my, my model and the way I do it. And even, you can do this anywhere in the world and anybody can own US land. In fact, I've got a lot of uh, clients who are in Australia and England and Germany um, that do it from overseas. But basically, this is what I, I, I look for. So let's say, for example, Mark, you own a piece of property and you live in, in Northern England, but you have a piece of property in California, right? Well, you are, you get a tax notice cause you have to pay the property taxes on it. And you're like, you know what? I'm never going to do anything with this piece of property. Um, so you stop paying the taxes. Well, that's a signal to me. And it's a public record that Mark Asquith no longer values that property. So what I'll do is I will get a list from the County of all the people that owe back taxes. And I'll send them a quote unquote top dollar offer of typically 20 to 30 cents on the dollar. So basically, 
a percentage of those people don't want that property anymore and they accept my offer. And then we go ahead and then we can flip that property for quick cash at about a 300% return on investment. But my favorite way to sell it is on owner financing. So I sell it and I get my money out typically on the down payment or within six months of the down payment, right? And then I get this recurring income on owner financing. So if we're going to walk through the numbers, let's say I bought your property for $3,000, but the property's value is really $12,000, right? So I can flip it for $12,000 cash, but I could really sell it on owner financing for about $30,000. So I would get a, let's say a $3,000 down payment. And then I like to do financing at about a car payment. So let's say $249 a month at 8.7% interest over say 10 to 15 years. And then that money comes in every single month automated without me having to do anything. And you take it even further, I have an acquisition manager who runs the entire business so I can spend time podcasting. And I really work on that business about two hours a week. Wow, that's a fantastic method and it's a fantastic model actually. It's not something that I've seen before. I mean, you see so many people with passive income, but I don't think I've ever come across one that's quite as low impact seemingly on your own personal time. I know you've put the effort in and you've spent the last 15 years building that, but right now, you know, really, really low impact for such a return. So that is really, really interesting. And what I'd love to do actually is switch a gear now and just take it into the actionable takeaway section because I'm sure that there are so many of you listeners out there wondering, how the heck can I get involved in something like this? Maybe this is the right market for you, maybe it's not, but actually we've got some takeaways for you that might help you generate some passive income. So, Mark, if we may, sir, let's dig into your first actionable tip. Yeah, I think my first actual tip is going to be take imperfect action, right? So let's say, for example, if you want to start generating passive income, right? Well, the, the first thing you have to do is take some type of action. But if you get bogged down in trying to do it really well in the beginning, you're never going to get anywhere. So I would say take imperfect action and embrace the suck. You're going to suck at it at first, and that's okay. I sucked at podcasting at first. But eventually, I did it enough times where now I'm comfortable on the mic. But I would say take imperfect action. I think that's massive. The the ability to take some action versus do something perfect, I think stops so many people in their tracks. You know, this idea of, well, I could never do that because I'm never as good as the next person or this idea that, oh, people won't like what I've put out because it's not perfect. It stops so many people and I would wholeheartedly back that up. Take imperfect action. I think that's fantastic. And the second actionable tip, please, sir. So the second actionable tip would be get educated, right? So I, I would say that today's the best time ever to learn anything. And you can go on Google, you can go on YouTube, and you can start searching for all these wonderful ways of learning how to create passive income in your life and these are ideas. So a good example is, is you know, my business model. If you're interested in my business model, you can go and learn all about it on the Land Geek podcast and just do a search for that or go to my website and, and learn. And there's tons of free resources and free information out there so that 
you're educated and you're taking action at the same time. So you're, you're really shortcutting it and you're shortcutting your learning curve. Yeah, I think that's, that's again, another really good tip. It sounds like I'm just agreeing with everything that you say, but it, it really is. I mean, I always say, say a similar thing to people who just say, look, I don't know where to start. And the only thing, I mentioned it earlier, the only thing you can do is just immerse yourself. Just immerse yourself in whatever interests you and just get educated. I mean, I, I, I say this often to my wife. I wish the amount of information online had been available when I was sort of coming through school or through college because... It just amazes me what you can do now. So, yeah, I love that. Get educated, guys. And the third and final actionable tip, please, sir. And my third actionable tip is going to be, you know, for my model specifically, um, is make 20 offers a day. And that takes about 20 minutes. So if you can spend 20 minutes a day, make 20 offers a day, I guarantee it will move the needle in your life. I guarantee it. That's all it takes. So if you can combine those three tips, take imperfect action, get educated, and make 20 offers a day in a little bit of time, let's say 18, 24 months, you could have that certainty. Your passive income could exceed your fixed expenses, and you could literally work because you want to, not because you have to. And then life really becomes a lot of fun. Make at least 20 offers a day. And I think just to kind of extrapolate that out a little bit into um, maybe the sort of non-real estate market, that, that, that doesn't mean anything other than go out and get the numbers that you need to get to make the conversions. You know, to exactly. Take that. Exactly. You've got to hustle. So, you know, if it's not 20 offers a day, maybe it's a video a day driving traffic to your landing page, Right. Um, it's, it's whatever it's going to be that will move the needle in your business because, you know, it's the 80-20 rule and 80% of your actions or I'm sorry, 20% of your actions are going to yield 80% of the results. So you really need to figure out well, what it's that 20% going to be. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Yeah. And, and I think one other tip that I'd sort of just add to onto the back of that one, guys, from my own perspective is you have to know those numbers. If you want five sales per day, what does it take to get that? What numbers do you need to put into the top? Where are your drop-offs? Where are the lost stages? At what point do people switch off and where do you actually lose that customer? So you've got to understand that as well, guys, because that then drives the 20 offers a day or the 50 offers or the, the one video or the 10 videos a day, whatever that might be. So really, really good. Mark, that has been a fantastic episode, and I'm sure that we could dig even deeper into that as well for as long as we wanted, to be honest. It seems like there's a heck of a lot to talk about. But we are going to stick a pin in that right there for now. And just before we do, would you like to tell people where they can find you online, please? Yeah, I think the best place to go is thelandgeek.com thelandgeek.com and they can download for free our passive income blueprint they can get the ebook how to avoid the three fatal land buying mistakes and then each week they can get an email um for the best passive income model podcast which mark Asquith is going to hopefully be on very soon you know it, you know it. Anything that says passive income and is run by someone who has the nickname Geek, well, that's just like music to my ears, of course. <laughs> All right, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Mark. That's been really good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it as well. And a huge, huge thanks to you, loyal listener. Thank you so much for everything that you do for me here at Excellence Expected. You know, I've been running for 
nearly 150 episodes at this point, and it just amazes me that you continue to tune in. So I really, really, really appreciate that. And for everything that myself and Mark have spoken about today, don't forget that all of the show notes will be available at excellence-expected.com, where, as ever, you guys know, you can find just a world of resources for you and your small business, including the Startup Diaries, my warts and all account of life on a startup accelerator program here in London. There is blood, there's sweat, and there are most certainly tears, guys, including including a full account of how we killed our business just four weeks after launching it. So check that out. That is a real eye-opener. And seriously, thank you for spending this 30 minutes with myself and with Mark. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Catch you later.